You're listening to episode 101 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. The first thing as we went there to gain knowledge about providing technical assistance is that you start by listening because there's many different issues, many different groups, many different situations. Listening and understanding that tribes, that groups, that community's perspective, their cultural concerns, the concerns they bring. So I think listening is the first step. So this is Bradley Scott, and let me say good afternoon to everybody, uh, all of our listeners. Thank you for being here. We have an interesting and I think exciting topic today, and I'm joined by three of my colleagues who just experienced an activity in New Mexico around advancing American Indian education. And I think that's the topic and the title of this podcast that I would like us to agree on. I have three of my colleagues with me this afternoon, Veronica Betancourt. Hello, it's Veronica Betancourt. Thank you for having me today, Bradley. And Paula Johnson. And Kristen Grayson. Thank you, Bradley, for this opportunity to share the wonderful information that we gained. So let me tell our listeners real quickly the exciting experience we have uh, just undergone. We, the four of us, were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as a consortium, a part of a consortium of uh, technical assistance providers in states west of the Mississippi, which had agreed to come together to uh, undergo staff training and uh, conduct a work session experience around American Indian education, and particularly ensuring that the work, the technical assistance we provide is culturally responsive and appropriate for the American Indian populations that we serve, either in uh, regular uh, school systems, in reservation school systems, in other educational uh, settings and experiences for American Indian education children, or if they're on a part of a sovereign nations that have public schools, but wherever American Indian children, young learners are found, that we ensure that the work we do in support of their equity and excellence is supported by a culturally relevant and appropriate response to their uh, educational experience. And also that we provide support to State Departments of Education with this renewed vigor and understanding and respect for American Indian culture and do that also uh, at the uh, local level. So the four of us um, had an opportunity to undergo a lot of learning from American Indian speakers and uh, leaders of education concerns across this nation, including the Bureau of Indian Education, and also all of the organizations and public entities that will be driven uh, in response to President Obama's executive order on American Indian education. So let me just start off with a very broad question. What was your overall impression of that experience you underwent uh, last week, and how did you see it important as a technical assistance provider? Who wants to go first? Well, I'm Kristen, and I'll go first. I think the first thing, as we went there to gain knowledge about providing technical assistance, the first really important thing I 
learned is that to provide assistance, you start by listening because there's many different issues, many different groups, many different situations. So the first part of technical assistance has to be listening. Listening and understanding that tribes, that groups, that community's perspective, their cultural um, concerns, the concerns they bring. So I think listening is the first step. Thank you, Kristen. Who's next up? Paula? Well, following that, it was interesting to speak with the other Equity Assistance Center staff members who also provide technical assistance in developing the ideas of, uh, we talked about implementation science and how that listening is the, the key ingredient because you must conduct a needs assessment to find out what it really is that, that we want to provide or that they need, what they're ready for, what they can provide, what their structure really looks like. And by conducting that needs assessment, then you can also incorporate more stakeholders than just the leadership or just the students, but you can get the families involved, the community involved, the students involved, the teachers involved. And those teachers, by way of this needs assessment, can develop a sense of ownership of whatever strategies are going to be implemented at their campus because that's the that's a major facet of this type of technical assistance is that we we kept hearing the words um, buy-in and things of that nature and where we were trying to redirect the thinking to a more asset-based rather than deficit uh, mindset for the clients so that the ownership leads to that accountability piece where the teachers embrace the idea of change rather than feel like it's something that's being put upon them so that first we have to listen to find out what the actual the necessary components of the technical assistance are going to be, but then also to incorporate and listen to all the teachers and people who are going to be involved in those strategies to make sure that they feel that sense of ownership rather than buy-in, that they're purchasing something, that they're developing a model that's going to be um, sustainable. Real fine. And Veronica, what would you add? Um, Going off of both what uh, my colleagues Paula and Kristen have noted, the listening leads to that ownership. It leads to being responsive and talk about culturally responsive and relevant interventions for them because it's not about what we think is best. It's about what works for them and their culture and their visions for their children and how that becomes a catapult and a springboard for helping them become successful in the education system, whether it's on their reservation or whether it's in public schools or whether it's somewhere else. And one of the most interesting things for me is the idea that we are working with sovereign nations because I don't have a lot of knowledge about that. It really opened up my eyes and the curiosity to find out, well, what can be done so that we ensure that there is that responsiveness and so that we ensure that we are listening and are meeting the needs for the things that they're asking us to do. Yeah, there are a number of things that um, impress all of us. And by the way, for our listeners, we had more than just equity assistance centers there. We had other kinds of technical assistance providers, such as comprehensive centers, uh, regional education laboratories. We had parent centers represented, so a whole array of technical assistance folks. But a point that you were raising, Veronica, I think is extremely important. And Kristen, there are some concepts that we non 
American Indian folks mm -hmm. have a hard time understanding because uh, they come from a very different worldview. So when we talk about our culture and our language, for our American Indians, no matter the tribe that they came from, they talked about culture and language being who they are, not just what they do or how they do things. Culture and language is who they are. And then another thing that seemed to stick out was the important responsibility we as TA providers have to be able to step into American Indian or Indian country uh, points of view about how business is done, how education is done, how problems are solved. So what are some of your reactions to those kinds of being put into another place as we listen to our speakers, whether they were students, adults, parents, uh, professionals, non-professionals? What were your experiences about being placed there? Go ahead, Kristen, sure. Well, my thought was that there are a lot of complexities within the systems that help provide education for American Indian students. And navigating those complexities for us as TA providers is we have a lot to learn. For parents, for individuals and communities, it might be even more challenging. So we need to get more information Absolutely. and listen to them and understand how the systems work. There's a lot of different entities, tribal education departments, uh, public schools, reservation schools, Department of the Interior, Department of Education. And so there's many complexities that, that we have to navigate and we have to be open to taking it from their point of view. Sure. Go ahead, Beto. And going off of what Kristen's saying, because she brings up some very valid points, I think for, for most of us, or for all of us, the, the newness of so many of the complexities that are there mm -hmm. give us a drive to want to learn and to provide that kind of assistance. But similarly, it's not that everything was new because there were very, there were, there were a lot of parallels. As a minority person, as a Hispanic, I felt with the stories that were told by some of the panel members, how similar the experiences were in my own culture that my parents faced and even that I faced. And we've had these conversations. And so there was a lot of similarities that we could draw from that also allowed us to feel the connection, that connection, and really work towards that community of practice and that collaborative nature that we're looking for. That's a good point, Vero. Uh, Paula and I had talked about that same or similar position when we looked at the experiences that various the, uh, American Indian speakers were re, uh, recounting, that um, the Trail of Tears is a, an experience that African Americans have a historical connection to. Having your quote-unquote culture stripped from you and then being placed in situations where you are being taught how to be an American, and particularly how to be a white American, and even give up not only your ethnicity, but your color. Um, and so forth. All of those kinds of experiences did provide us with an opportunity to connect in a certain kind of way and still there is a uniqueness about the American Indian experience uh, that has to be attended to in terms of the provision of technical assistance. That's a great point. That's a great point. And the, oh, sure, go ahead, Paul. I would also like to add that the excitement surrounding this situation, this, this need, draws us into a situation where so many people are, are being moved into action across the country 
um, simply by this meeting last week. But one point that was made by several people there is that because of this this new surge of or drive, if you will, to assist these students, we have to begin collaborating and then collecting data. So it doesn't, you know, people in Arizona or New Mexico or Oklahoma or Texas, if we're doing all this work and we make all these gains, but we're not um, sharing, sharing it? it, nor are we documenting it. That And that was something that we noticed over the two days is that the numbers are not there. They're simply not there. So we can't really tell you know, how many clients would there really be or, and where are they that those things have to be started and started well, now. Which is one of the things <clears throat> the Department of Education is very interested in are collecting with data to make better decisions around experiences. I know our time is late, but Kristen, you, I think you have a final comment you want to make. Well, I just wanted to make the comment that it is a motivating event. It was a motivating event. I think there's a, with the the executive order and with this training, there's a new excitement. For me, having lived many years in Oklahoma and knowing there's over 400 Indian education programs in Oklahoma alone, it, it really is exciting to be a part of making a difference. And I'm excited about that. And I'm excited for our organization to help provide that. Uh, thank you for those comments, both uh, from uh, you, Kristen, from you, Paula, and you, Veronica. Uh, and I would say to our listeners as we uh, begin to close, there is so much we need to be attending to around American Indian populations. They have almost literally been forgotten, and the outcomes around educational outcomes and life outcomes show how much this population of our students have been overlooked, over 600,000 students we are talking about in our public education systems across the nation. So I would invite our listeners not only to uh, pay attention to the resources that will accompany this podcast, but also go online at the Bureau of Indian Education and see the new things that uh, Dr. Joyce Silverthorne will be undertaking as the new director of the BIE, as well as uh, Dr. William Mendoza will be taking on as he continues to carry out the president's uh, executive order around American Indian education. I want to thank you all for being with us today and be sure to take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.